0: Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.
1: And welcome to In the Little Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. On our show today, we will be catching up with Jesse Mercer with Inveris. And we'll also catch up with Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy. We'll be discussing Colonial Pipeline Ransomware, a show you don't want to miss. And of course, my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, will be joining me shortly as well. But first, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the cover is the CEOs of Moda Midstream, one of the largest midstream companies in North America. Very, very interesting company. Very, very interesting story. There's actually three owners of Moda Midstream. So it's an issue that you definitely don't want to miss out on. For more information and to read the issue, please go to shellmag.com. That is spelled S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com you can read all about it. And there's also other very interesting and great articles to read. So for more information, please go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read the latest issue of Shell Magazine. And I'd also like to tell you about an upcoming mixer that we are hosting, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition in Midland, Texas. That's scheduled for June the 2nd, 5.30 to 8.30. For more information, to get tickets or sponsor the event, please go to shellmag.com and click on the banner ad, or you can just look us up on Facebook, Shell Magazine, or in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And by the way, if you haven't liked our Facebook page and you want to keep up with all the latest things, uh, the latest, no, all the latest issues of Shell Magazine, where is Teak meeting for their mixers, and or who's going to be on the upcoming show of In the Oil Patch Please be sure to like our Facebook page. It'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening. And now it's time to bring on my co-host and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show, dear. Hey.
2: Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas.
1: Let's jump into this. We've got a lot of things to cover. One of our favorite topics is, of course, to try to explain oil prices and why they go up and down. In shell magazine and the oil patch our emails are always full with wire prices going up social media people are really upset about these higher gas prices yeah. at the pump but they don't quite understand how it correlates back to crude prices natural gas prices so tell me a little bit about we've had some movement there again what's going yeah. on
2: yeah another good another strong week for commodity prices which of course means uh support for higher gasoline prices to some extent Uh, the other side of that of course is that uh, the colonial pipeline came back online and the impacts uh, on prices from that event should taper off so prices at the at the pump should be pretty stable for the next few weeks but yeah we had a strong strong week on not just oil prices due to the global economic recovery but also natural gas prices because suddenly uh the, the economies in Europe and other customers for US uh, liquefied natural gas exports are really creating strong demand. And so we've had a lot of demand for additional exports from the United States, and that's strengthened the natural gas price as well. So it it was you know a good week for the industry in terms of prices.
1: Explain a little bit of the difference between so you have crude prices yeah. and then you have natural gas prices. And natural gas prices have been relatively low. We're seeing. They have. In them too. What's going, Is that because of what's happening uh, with the Colonial Pipeline that we've seen a spike in the natural gas?
2: No. Where- uh, so natural gas is used mainly in power generation uh, and manufacturing applications, and uh, we've had this this developing LNG export industry here in the United States, uh, and most of that goes to Europe, South America, other foreign countries that you know want to use it in their own power grids and their own manufacturing applications. So Colonial is a, is a, gasoline, you know, gasoline, not natural gas, which is refined from crude oil. And, and so crude oil prices impact gasoline prices, natural gas impacts the, the cost of your electricity at home, but uh, doesn't really have anything to do with gasoline prices.
1: Okay. Let's switch gears and talk about IEA. Um,
3: no.
1: a- and this group, Um, is uh, pretty well known for opposing most things, uh, energy, especially in oil and gas. They're calling for uh, no new investments on the energy sector whatsoever in order to keep up with the mandate by the Paris Climate Accord, in which I just wanna just say that, so the United States, and according to the Paris Climate Accord, tell me if I'm wrong, is saying the United States must come into accountability now and you know, do all the things necessary to save the planet, but some of the largest polluters on the planet, such as China and India, will not have to come in alignment with that accord for 20 years from now. And yeah. in between that time, they can just exit anytime they want up into the 20 years. So since we all live on one planet, please explain <laughs> to me how other polluters on other areas of the world are going to help with uh, climate change and this, you know death spiral well, Yeah. So what is the issue with IEA? I mean, I guess they're
2: a... They're run by the United Nations. They're a globalist organization, just like the UN is. Yeah. And you're right. They issued this insane new study this week um, that basically calls for the elimination of all new investment, capital investment in oil and gas development, not just in the United States, but globally. Okay. Uh, from now on, uh, starting now, uh, through 2050 uh, in order to meet these goals set by the Paris Accords, which are based in, you know, on unicorn economics and fantasies and
1: <laughs> it's, got fairy and it's just it's
2: abject insanity. I mean, it, it really truly is insanity uh, to, to think that you could just cut off all investment in new oil and gas projects and not have oil prices go to 100 or $200 a barrel. Currently, they're at 60. You want high gasoline prices at the pump? You want to pay $8 a gallon instead of the three you're paying today? Well, just listen to the IEA. That's what they're telling you they want you to do, America. And it's, it's insane. It's nuts. You have billions of people across the world who need access to increasing supplies of affordable and reliable energy, which wind and solar still cannot provide. And they're going to want to do that using oil and natural gas and coal, frankly. Uh, Otherwise, you're sentencing billions of people across the world to live their entire lives in poverty and squalor. And if that's what we're going to do, then uh, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't know about you.
1: Well, you know, and I think it also is, it's not just poverty and squalor. It's also when you don't have access to energy, you don't have access to clean drinking water. So it's a matter right. of, honestly, life and death. It and is people who, unfortunately, through no fault of their own, barely have access to this. And then here they're calling to shut everything down, which means they would not have anything. And I mean, I could just see worldwide catastrophe. similar. So that's what it would be. Worse, even worse than the pandemic, of what we saw. But it's going to hit the indigent, the elderly and the poor. So, um, you know, when we talk about making an energy transition and all of these different things pertaining to climate change, you really, it's a very complicated and big picture. I love to talk about our show because actually our show brings everything to the forefront, which is what's comical, what's insane, what's actually factual when we talk about it and the And energy- what's
2: immoral? Uh, the last thing I want to say about that, that IEA thing this is it's not just stupid, and it's not just crazy, and it's not just insane. It's immoral yes. to, to tell people who need access to energy that they can't have it because right. we have to meet some goals, a bunch of globalist bureaucrats said in Paris a couple of years ago, is immoral, and, right. and we shouldn't want to be a part of
1: and and those stats don't even make sense of what they're saying. But I guess in, in essence, it, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that if you are indigent or poor, live in a country that you know, doesn't have is in, in poverty, the majority of your people, you are for sure not important on the planet, and you must go. And only the prosperous countries. Will survive you're right it is immoral yeah. let's switch gears we have a few minutes left on the segment and we are coming winding down uh the texas legislators session let's talk about the grid what's happening there Any positive movement or is it not positive
2: well that's uh, you know okay it's semi-positive let's put it that way they're actually uh, senate bill three it looks like it's going to be in the main vehicle it passed uh, both the senate and out of the house state affairs committee this past week Uh, Unfortunately, it addresses some things, but not others. For example, it will require weatherization of some power plants and some natural gas infrastructure, which is needed. Uh, It will reform ERCOT the way the board's constituted, the way ERCOT functions to hopefully make it more reliable. Uh, But what it won't do is require any additional baseload generating capacity to be built on the grid and it won't reform uh, the way the grid functions in terms of sending signals to power generating companies to build more capacity. So it's a mixed bag. It's unfortunate. Uh, hopefully the governor will follow through on his promise to to call a special session and address the whole problem and not just part of it.
1: What was I reading about that the eminent domain and sunset review on uh Are are you familiar with what's happening on that in there in in session right now? Um, Lyle Larson released a statement about how um, PUC needs to go under Sunset Review.
2: Yes, I did see that, but there's not a vehicle, uh, legislative vehicle that's going to pass in this session to do that.
1: Okay, so they're still going to be out there running without any oversight unfortunately yeah, other
2: than what little they get from the legislature itself which unfortunately always seems to come up short uh, in mm-hmm. protecting uh the people of texas where where the power grid's concerned
1: what about any bills on uh, oil and gas anything there with uh headway Nothing
2: major uh you know the the eminent domain legislation again is is not likely to pass and uh you know it just was there's so many other things happening in this session there wasn't a lot of big ticket items
1: well david that is all the time that we have for this segment on our next segment we'll be bringing on our guest jesse mercer with embarrass you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back
4: Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find.
1: And now it's time to welcome on our guest, David, Jesse Mercer, who is with Inveris. Our discussion will be around the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack.
2: Well, Jesse, thanks for joining us. Uh, Of course, we're here to talk about the the incident with the Colonial Pipeline system, the cyber attack on it, and uh, appreciate you being willing to come on and and discuss the situation. Um, I think a good place to start is just to be sure our listeners, everyone understands you know, the Colonial Pipeline system itself, where does it start? Where is its termination point? And why is it so important to these 17 states in the South and along the Atlantic coast that its it's system serves?
3: Sure, David, thanks for having me here. Um, Yeah, so the Colonial Pipeline system spans over 5,500 miles from Houston, Texas to Linden, New Jersey. Uh, It consists of two pairs of parallel trunk lines connecting end to end at Greensboro, uh, North Carolina as well as the number of laterals branching off along its path. Um, the system has a capacity of you know, roughly between, you know, 2.5 and 2.6 million barrels a day, of gasoline, jet fuel, fuel, heating oil, um, and, uh, makes up close to half of the, uh, uh the fuel consumed on the Eastern seaboard. Uh, 2.5 you know, million barrels a day is, is quite a bit. Um, and, uh, I just want to point out that uh, while Colonial mostly serves markets along the East Coast, it also delivers refined products into um, Central and Eastern Tennessee. It's the largest refined products pipeline in the country, and um, in many parts of the Southeast, in particular, the uh, um, you know if not the largest source, in some places the only source. Uh, so, it's a pretty important strategic pipeline.
2: Yeah, and there's, there's really not uh, really another system in the country that that can claim that kind of scope and scale uh and serving so many different markets is there i mean it's kind of a unique system within this vast network of pipelines here in the country
3: uh, it's not entirely unique there are other systems that are a bit similar in that you know that has a similar scope Magellan for example operates a fairly large system throughout the um you know the midwest and originating names from, you know, the Group 3 markets in you know, Oklahoma and in states nearby and as well as from, you know, further south in the Gulf Coast. But um, it, the Colonial Pipeline is is, is is unique in a way because, you know, the, the markets along the East Coast, you know, you can kind of think of these areas as being, um, you know, um, energy poor. You don't have, you know, especially in the southeast, you know, states like Georgia and Florida, North and South Carolina, Virginia. They don't have any local refining capacity, so they're entirely dependent on what gets shipped up from the Gulf Coast, and so that makes it a pretty big deal.
2: Yeah, and part of that's a consequence. I I've, I've read one piece, I think maybe it was in Bloomberg early in the week, that talked about the fact that, you know, there used to be refining capacity in some of these states, but we've had four uh, refineries, independent refineries, shut down in the past few years up along the eastern seaboard and so that, that's part of the reason why there's such a dearth of refining capacity in that area isn't it
3: well a lot of those refineries that were set down were in the uh, you know kind of that philadelphia to new jersey corridor yeah um you know down the southeast, you, know, you have to go back a few a couple of decades to find um anything meaningful there um there was an asphalt plant in georgia but that's not really t- talking about much fuel <laughs> Um, so, you know, yeah, this area was, um, I mean, if, if I were to make a guess, you know, somebody did a study on, on one, where, to, uh, where to hit the U.S., um, you know, refined products distribution system, because this is, you know, an area where you would have, you know, the most impact for sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, you know, uh, there, there have been some critics in, in the media and, and uh, just, you know, general critics of the oil and gas industry. Who have questioned colonial's decision to shut down the entire system uh, because of this, you know, what was apparently a ransomware attack. They did pay apparently five million dollars in in ransom, according to Bloomberg, uh, to this terrorist group, basically. Um, but but really shutting down the system is is really a necessary step in an incident like this, just to protect. The, the security
3: of, of their overall system in general? Yeah, I'd largely agree with that, but I do have to say you know, the public has every right to be frustrated even angry about what happened. Um, sure. But Colonial did the right thing, really, by shutting down the pipeline. You know, Remember, that that pipeline did suffer a, a, a major spill last summer and an explosion back in 2015 for reasons not related to cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, in, in my opinion, Colonial exercised, you know, an abundance of caution by shutting down the pipeline, alerting the authorities, and switching to manual operations on key portions of the system you know, with access to fuel storage facilities. Technically, there was enough fuel and storage on the East Coast uh, to last through the week. Um, however, in places in the Southeast, um, you know, they were hit harder than say New York. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, the relative lack of alternative supply, which I already mentioned, but also panic buying. I mean, um, we really could have. Could have managed the situation a lot more, a uh, uh, lot better, if um, you know the panic buying didn't you know materialize the way that it did. And in some ways, it kind of created a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, the problem, really, what we experienced in 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 in, in, in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, um, parts of Virginia, is that you know the tanker trucks were on the road, but they only carry about eight thousand gallons each. And it takes yeah. time for yeah. them to resupply these fueling stations and. They're driving long distances, too, because these laterals, you know, are, 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 are not always, you know, right near where the, the, the fuel needs to go. I mean, so you have to t- take these trucks across, you know, large parts of, you know, the inland um, portion of the East Coast to, to get to where it's needed. And if people are buying fuel faster than they can refill the, uh, the retail stations, then you're going to have these, these, these shortages in the gas lines and, 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 you know, gas stations completely out of, out of fuel the way we saw.
2: Yeah, and that you know that just kind of points up to the, the fact that really, when you're talking about the quantities of, of gasoline that, that Colonial deals with every day, uh, uh, pipelines are really the only viable way to move that quantity of gasoline and, and other energy products around the country and certainly much safer than thousands of trucks trying to do it.
1: We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio cosmetic surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number's 210 614 Four three two zero, Or you can visit their website at net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. And now it's time to welcome on our guest, David, Jesse Mercer, who is with Inveris. Our discussion will be around the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack.
2: Well, Jesse, any other kinds of steps these companies have to take to protect themselves from this kind of attack? I, I know there's been, a, you know, some outcry about, well, they they just weren't taking proper precautions. Uh you know, what kinds of precautions can companies take to to protect themselves against an attack
5: like this?
3: So one of the good things about the uh, American crude oil and refined products uh, pipeline network is that um, it has some built in redundancy. Um, you know, we would be in serious trouble if the network had only one operator, say, like, you know, Transneft over in Russia. Um, it's not like the entire network can be brought down at once, but you know, criminal groups and state actors can still wreak havoc, you know, as we saw. Yeah. Uh, clearly companies need to invest more heavily in in, in, in cybersecurity and hardening information systems. The you know, use of thumb drives, USB thumb drives and similar devices should be absolutely forbidden in, in all certain all situations, especially for systems that need to be uh, air-gapped, you know, not connected to the internet in any way. There was a case, you know, when a an operating company did a study on, you know, its security and it found that one of its employees was plugging in a Roku device overnight. He was on his his uh, when uh, on duty there. So you know those things have to stop. You know we cannot have that going on. Um, yeah. Companies also need to work more closely with each other, sharing information. They need to work with state and federal agencies and uh, specialized cyber security firms in order to harden their networks as a whole.
2: Yeah. Well, I you know we saw these these gas lines farming in North Carolina. I think it was particularly bad, but other states along Colonial Service Route and we had a price spike. But I I just wonder is if this had lingered, if this had been an outage that lasts, let's say, a month on Colonial, couldn't that really have caused shortages and price spikes really uh, in a much broader part of the uh, cross section of the country than just this, these 17 states the pipeline directly serves?
3: Yeah, that's correct. It it would have been probably just sort of catastrophic. Um, I don't believe the industry would have been able to um, to be able to backfill that much supply that quickly, um, you said, you know, 2.5 million barrels a day is, is a lot of fuel yeah. to make up. Um, and, and you really can't put that many trucks on the road. Um, so you really do have some logistical challenges there that the, um, you know, the industry would and the government, too, would face uh, trying to get that, um, that shortage, uh, or at least trying to ameliorate the the, the worst impacts of that shortage. Um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, the, the ransomware attack, you know, on Colonial was, was well thought out. You know, in Dark uh, Darkside and other actors are likely had good knowledge of our pipelines and know which systems have the biggest impact. And, of course, Darkside claims that uh, they didn't seek to cause any social harm. But, you know, these are also people that target hospitals and schools and police departments. So pardon me <laughs> if I don't necessarily believe them.
2: All right. Me too. I have the same feeling about it. And you talk about the 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 how long it takes and how hard it is to activate all these trucks. There was another discussion just for a couple of days about maybe relieving uh, some of the provisions of the Jones Act so that you could transport gasoline via ship out of the Houston Ship Channel all the way up the East Coast. But that again would take days and even weeks for any of that to really materialize. Right.
3: That's right. That's right. And there will still yeah. be challenges, you know, getting that into the interior. You know, I don't know how you do, um, Act would, would solve the problem in uh, central and eastern Tennessee, for example. It wouldn't.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it really wouldn't. I, I, I guess it, at the end of the day, what it really points up is to how critical oil and gas pipeline infrastructure is in the United States. And, and really, we, we should take it very seriously, correct?
3: Yes, I agree with that 100%.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just it's so important. And people don't really understand, I think, uh, the role it plays in their daily lives. Because but you see an incident like this, and now you've seen it on your TV screens. And I think, hopefully, anyway, it's given the public a better understanding of how crucial this infrastructure is, and why we need to protect
1: it. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com.
1: And now, David, it's time to bring on our guest, the founder and CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Mike Howard. Mike, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
5: Hi, Kim. Hi, David.
1: Hey. Hey. Welcome back to the show, Mike, we haven't had you on in quite some time, but there's been some developments on the pipeline. And we thought you'd be a great guest to bring back on and talk to us about where maybe pipelines are leaning towards or give us some insight onto some of the problems that you guys are dealing with. But before we get started, I want to back up and just tell our listeners a little bit about you. First of all, you are the CEO of Howard Energy Partners, uh, but you're no stranger to oil and gas, your previous uh, position, one of them was with a large publicly traded company as the past president of Midstream. You also went on to start your own company, which is Howard Energy Partners. Um, and of course, you are a native South Texan graduate of Texas A&M a University in Kingsville. So welcome to the show. You're a great guest to have on to talk an expert on this topic.
5: Oh, thank you, Kim. Happy to well, help.
1: Good, because there's a lot of questions that David and I have. First of all, uh, let me begin by with the ransomware attack that against Colonial Pipeline, the massive East Coast gasoline artery. And it was a real uh, eye-opener for, I think, many Americans to see you know, what the energy sector faces when we talk about energy and cyber attacks. This definitely showed everyone the vulnerability in our energy sector, as well as, uh, you know, it's not just pipelines, there's also power grids to consider and power plants. And there's a lot of questions here. How did this happen? Is the industry moving towards some kind of change? How did the government react? Executive orders were signed. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in the show and I wanna get to them all. But one thing that we did see is that a company or a, a group out of Russia could actually come in and shut down a very, very important infrastructure pipeline. So let's begin with your thoughts on what happened to the Colonial Pipeline.
5: Yeah, and I read the same news reports everybody else does, right? So I don't know specifically from Colonial. I don't know anybody in Colonial, but I do run pipelines and have for many, many years. And what the most common type of attack that we see from a cybersecurity standpoint on our company would be through email, uh, through some way that someone – uh, uh, ask for your password through some phishing email and it looks like your company website and it looks like a very legitimate intra company, uh, something or other, you put in your name and your password. What you just gave then is that particular cyber criminal, the ability to then log into your system. Once they log into your system, they have access to your uh, system files and they put some sort of file uh, Trojan horse or something into your system and then it goes and spreads throughout your system and it sits there. It does not uh, uh, come alive for a while. And then at a strategic time, they turn it on and it locks up your system. And what what typically, what, what you would think in this situation by reading some of the news reports is they shut the pipeline down. I think more accurately that I uh, can see is more logical is they shut the company down, which in turn, they couldn't see the revenue and expenses and they couldn't see what was going on. So you have to shut the pipeline down because what if they were going for the pipeline? What if it was a terrorist attack? And so I think that was, that's a more logical thing and more common uh, in, in business today. And you read a lot about this sort of thing, shutting down municipalities, shutting down businesses, and it's usually for small dollar amounts. It's not, I've heard it's $5 million for Colonial, but I heard it's for smaller dollar amounts in other companies. You know, For $75,000, you can get your system back, which is about the cost it might cost for a, a company to come in and do some it and use your backup, you know, and so that they try to make it, it it's no different than extorting money from ki- for, in a kidnap situation. If you're in a foreign country and get kidnapped that they do just enough where they think that the family can pay, you know, yeah. and it, yeah. it feels very similar to that.
2: Mike, did you, uh, you know, in the wake of this colonial event, given that they're in you know, the same business you're in, did you, uh, internally, You know, ask your systems administrators to take a look at security measures and make sure, you know, just kind of do a general review of the the kinds of things you guys are doing to defend off these kinds of attacks.
5: Absolutely. We're under regulation where like the operations of a pipeline is in a separate place than our business is. It's separate computer systems, separate servers, uh, that sort of thing. Um, But again, you know, it's like they could come in and, and hack Howard Energy just through somebody's simple email. It, yeah. It's a, you know, and so it, it is, uh, we, 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 but I'd say it's something that we're constantly doing. It's a constant problem. We're, we're, once we find a way to, uh, that someone can get in, you patch that hole, they find another one. It's similar to like Microsoft always applying patches or Apple always applying patch. It's the same, that that it's a constant battle and you have to constantly be upgrading. So once the Colonial Pipeline did, yes, I think all of us that run pipelines are are definitely spending more time, energy, and effort on this, including training.
1: Mike, I have a a question about uh, COVID-19. It's going a little off script, but I'm wondering, so COVID was not expected by anybody also in the energy sector or worldwide, and it forced everyone to shut down normal operations and go remote. Do you think that might have also led into the problem of was there any more vulnerability because of COVID and having to respond on a dime of something you weren't expecting? Understanding that you guys are so high tech in the name of efficiencies that you guys are bringing on all of these new systems to continue to try to build efficiency in in your systems. And then all of a sudden, one day you wake up and it's like everybody's working from home now and they don't have the same internal firewalls and things on their home computer systems and stuff like that. Do you think this was a vulnerability that you guys faced as well, and could this have been part of the problem, maybe?
5: Yeah, it very well could have been because there is more vulnerability when people are at home accessing the system all hours of the day and night and how they access the system with remote systems now. We all had to look at that last year quite a bit. Yeah, we um, had to
2: do that at home too, you know, and on our actual home systems as well. I mean, I get hit with probably a dozen of these kinds of things every day. Yeah,
3: that's right. right.
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more.
4: If you'd like more information, go to womensenergynetwork.org slash SouthTexas or call 855-390-0650.
0: Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management visit our website shalemag.com once again that's shale s-h-a-l-e mag mag.com to learn more shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188 again 210-240-7188
1: we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is the CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Mike Howard. Mike, before the break, we were kind of discussing the pipeline situation with Colonial Pipeline, and you too own uh, several pipelines. And I guess a, a question I have is the expensive and deadly power outage in Texas in February caused by extreme cold illustrated what could happen when the power goes out for an extended period of time. We had over four million Texans without power for days um, at a time, and more than 200 people perished as a result. I mean, wouldn't a national disruption of a critical pipeline infrastructure cause similar deadly impacts? Your thoughts? Yeah,
5: so so I think it's very uh, regional the impacts that it could have. Obviously, if you have an attack in Texas, we have a lot of redundancy in our systems. Uh, We have. a, a way that we could get energy uh, to people uh, even as bad as the storm was. And it was catastrophic. Many people lost their lives. It was a four day event. You know, uh, when I think of uh, really disastrous things, it's a couple of weeks when we had hurricane Harvey hit Corpus Christi, then went right up the Gulf coast and went right up the Houston ship channel, shutting down one of the largest refining complexes in the United States of America. It, it caused some disruption. But we were back on within a couple weeks you know like those things worry me i think a lot more a lot of times than an individual pipeline uh getting hit or disrupted now if multiple scenarios are if you're in the northeast and it's a horrible winter storm and one of the major uh natural gas arteries going to the northeast shuts down there's going to be some people that that have a serious problem in the northeast um but again on on colonial it was a six-day outage um and and can, can people cause disruption yes is it is it major disruption that could shut down half the country or even half the state uh probably not you know the, the bad weather i think is a, is a probably a more serious concern
2: well that really is a big part of the problem isn't it mike i mean you talk about texas and we do have this extensive uh redundancy in our system louisiana the same thing but as you go across the southeast and then up the east coast Uh, There's very little refining capacity and very little redundancy in the systems. I mean, some of these states like North Carolina is like 67 percent dependent on Colonial for its gasoline supply. So, I mean, I mean, that's really kind of a big part of this issue here is over reliance on just a single source for supply. Right.
5: Yeah. Well, I agree, but it is something that has been thought about in our industry and the federal uh, government and state governments for quite some time is is security, whether it be from terrorist threats starting back at 9-11 all the way to today. So these things are critical infrastructure. They've been thought about. I'm not saying that they've put fixes in place for that, uh, and I think there is vulnerabilities uh, for that. Um, and as you move up the, the where, where energy is pulled out of the ground here in Texas and sent up there, Uh, They don't have local uh, drilling going on for oil, you know, so they need it either from foreign countries or from people like North Dakota or Texas. And this does highlight though, the importance of pipelines, doesn't it? I mean, it really highlights uh, the, 2.7 2.7 million miles of pipelines delivers us the energy that we use to live. Uh, and so one disruption of one pipeline for six days shuts down a lot of stuff. And so, you know, it could be make a case for more infrastructure being built, not less. You know.
1: Let's switch gears because you were talking about um, the importance of it. And President Biden signed executive orders to establish a baseline cybersecurity standard for U.S. agencies and their software contractors on the heels of the colonial pipeline attack. Do you think this is enough? where do you believe that we need to go to protect the energy infrastructure, because you guys face an enormous amount of terrorism as a whole period, whether it's cyber, physical, ransomware, I mean, you name it. And you guys are constantly dealing with uh, evolving systems, uh, upgrades, third party remote security, Um, are, you know, are y'all giving them too much access uh, too quickly, breaches can occur, I mean, you guys deal with a phenomenal amount every day of just problems. Was President Biden's executive order a good start? Do we need more? tell me your thoughts on that executive
5: order yeah i think the executive order is exactly what what it was i don't think it actually does anything it doesn't create law it doesn't create people to take action uh when you have a free free uh, uh market like we have uh we lose money when we're not in service we are highly incentivized to protect critical infrastructure we want our customers to be happy we want to be known as the people that that are living the energy that people need to run their lives so i don't think additional regulation improves that ability to do that it's uh, in, uh Increased regulation probably slows that down if anything you know so i think keeping uh, the market alive and 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 what we do today uh because uh, we're incentivized again to deliver energy we, we we don't want cyber attacks we don't want terrorist attacks you know so we're, we're highly incentivized already
2: yeah mike and, and you talk about that being critical infrastructure and it, it obviously is i mean this all is critical infrastructure we've seen really mixed signals from this administration we we started from day one with the cancellation of of a pipeline that was already halfway built the keystone xl uh for purely political reasons and no other reason um and then you know we we have the the secretary of energy after colonial gets shut down admitting well you know gosh pipeline's the best way to to transport oil and gas right right i saw her (laughs) say that yeah obviously yes and so i mean Don't we need to have some some more clarity, frankly, and common sense in our energy policy and a recognition in this administration that this really is critical infrastructure that can impact our national security?
5: Yes, we need more infrastructure, not less. Uh, this is just one example of many examples, the Texas debacle that happened you know, uh, in February. We need more infrastructure, not less, and we need reliable energy. We don't need less reliable energy. And that's a big conversation in the Texas legislature right now, right, is to give us more reliability. It, you, we have plenty of energy, Only when the wind blows and the sun shines, we need reliable (laughs) energy all the time. And so, not, and and if Texas can't provide it, imagine what other states that you mentioned, uh, it'd be very hard for them to get that energy because they're not as blessed as we are here in Texas with the amount of energy we produce. Um, That's for sure. So, we need more infrastructure.
1: You know, last question, because I know we have to, you know, cut you loose. You're a very busy, important person running multiple companies. (laughs) Do you think this turns into also a discussion on national security? I mean,
5: absolutely. Absolutely, it's a national security problem. It, it it's where we get our energy from is a very important discussion that we seem to be not having right now. Where with the evolution of of Shell and where we're at in technology, you know, we've been blessed with national security and not having to enter conversations in the Middle East and Russia and other and Venezuela and other places right now because we have our own energy. Um, if we want to export our energy, meaning uh, our energy production, and start importing again like we did before, it's going to be a problem for us, you know. So, yeah, it's a big national security discussion. It's shocking that not not more of that discussion is happening right now.
1: Please know we're going to continue the discussion because I think it is important that we discuss this, and I think this is a teachable moment for a lot of the consumers to understand what happens when they don't have a pipeline or access to their energy because there's a pipeline disruption And maybe we can begin the discussions of how important pipelines are, especially when we discuss Keystone and other pipelines that that they are so adamant to shut down. And I think the gas prices, uh, consumers have noticed that they're on the rise. So I think this is a very good time for in the oil patch to keep talking about these very specific topics. And um, I'm excited that we are growing as a station. Uh, We are up on a national syndication now. And so our programming and our discussion on energy is only gonna grow. Mike Howard, from Howard Energy, thank you so much for coming back and talking to us a little bit about the incident that occurred with the uh, Colonial Pipeline.
5: No, th- thank you to David and thank you Kim for what y'all do. Y'all are very important to this industry, so thank you
1: In the
0: Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host Kim Bolatto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.